I think the best lesson that we can all take from John Rahm is the bunker on 18. And welcome back to another park train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Seven Singer. We got Mr. Matt Cermak here. We are recording this late on Sunday evening after the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines, one of my favorite places on earth. Matt, we've got a lot to talk about, but before we do, in case you're new guys, thanks for hopping aboard. Our mission on the par train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe that if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We feature interviews from PJ tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, and many more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and give you the tools to enjoy the ride. Before we talk U.S. Open and our learnings from that to hopefully help you in your game. Quick word from our friends at Roback. Guys, we're recording this on Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. In case you're a bad son or daughter, or maybe your son and daughter didn't get you the gift you hoped for. <laughs> I mean, let's let's do a redo. Matt, let's take a mulligan. Breakfast ball. Let's take a breakfast ball. Roback has a site-wide sale tomorrow um for it's i think it's the summer solstice or longest day of the year tomorrow so it's one of the only days of the year that they do a site-wide 15 percent off so but make sure you use our link um we put the link in the show notes it'll get you 15 percent off even if you've already purchased using that link before usually it's just a first time link tomorrow uh, i don't know how long they're doing that they usually only do it maybe for that day so tomorrow or throughout the week maybe uh use our link go to the site and you'll get 50% off. The polos felt like a dream. Have like a quick shout out to our, our buddy, Josh Weinberg. He was asking me yesterday, do the, do the polos fit true? They absolutely fit true to their size. Yep. I said, Josh, go with the media. He's getting the bro back shirts. Guys, you got to check it out. Yeah. Great I would brand. say the them. polos definitely <laughs> fit to size. Um, I found that the hoodies and the Q-zips, I personally like to size up because those overgarments, I don't like it as tight. I like it to a little bit, you know, a little bit looser and free, but everything is four-way stretch and it'll make you look good. Hopefully play good. But John Rahm got it done. And I think there's a lot of learnings from this week. I think there's a lot of learnings from John, from maybe some things that you shouldn't do. Um, Bryson, Ustazen, like there's a lot we want to get into, Matt. Yeah, but I think everybody's really happy for John Rahm, right? Yeah. If there's one of the young players out there that is due for a major, it's pretty early to be due for a major in your career, but it was, it was Ram. Right. He's number one player in the world. And then we saw him run away, run away with Memorial only to, you know, have the COVID situation, which was like, so like, just, it was a crazy moment, but clearly his attitude and the power of positive thinking, you know, and he just handled that like a pro that he is, but I think everybody's so happy for John Ram. Pretty cool to see Phil out there too at the end. I talked about that when we were talking with Tim Nicholson about, you know, he has a great relationship with the young players. So I don't know if anybody's not happy for John Rahm. Just very likable. Yeah. We're probably going to get into this more later, Matt, but I, I do think it's important to say, you know, a lot of times when we talk about topics like the mental game and mindset stuff, it can sound like, we're, we're telling you to think stuff that's not true. We're telling you to think positively. We're, you know, and a lot of people's first gut reaction to that, that maybe don't live that way is, well, that's not reality. You're telling me to think something that's not reality. Um, 
But what I've learned over my life, and I think John Rahm's now a perfect example, it happened, right? He couldn't yeah. change what happened. I'm, I'm sure he might have handled things differently. There's things he could have done uh, knowing what he knows now, but that's not how life works. You still have golf to play. He has a new baby. Maybe that offered some fresh perspective, but- Sounds like it did. Yeah, I mean, what is the point of getting down on yourself and getting upset? Um, I think if he was- For nothing that you could control. Right. And if he got upset and made a big ruckus about it, he probably doesn't win today, right? But he, it's, it's funny. That's a life moment. Granted, it was golf, but that's a life moment. And his attitude in that life moment is how we can play better golf. It, it works the same way, right? And he trusted that good stuff is coming, right? And, and I talk about this in my trainings, Matt, for stress. It's like, talk to me about a time that's been really tough, right? Sure. In your life. And talk to me about a time that you look back on that and you don't say, wow, that was a really pivotal moment for me. It's very rare that people say that wasn't one of the best things that ever happened to me, right? And so if you know that, it does take some faith. It does take some trust. I don't want to get too meta here, but if you have trust that stuff works out, you don't need to know how, but if you just keep doing good stuff, good stuff will happen. That's how John Rahm won. And he's a major champion. No, absolutely. And yeah, we got to talk about the course too, because he feels like this is his second home, right? I said this presser reminded him of... uh, Back home in Spain, you know, the weather, um, the Poana greens, which I think is very interesting. Poana greens are not easy to put on, yeah, especially when you're, you're not from uh, the West Coast, for example. Yeah. But, you know, Ev, you know, you played a lot at Torrey, um, you know, when you were living in San Diego. And, and I competed in a, in a big tournament in high school at Torrey. And it's a, it's a great golf course. I thought it played very well. I think you know, there was no complaints about it one way or the other, you know, so it set up. Well, I think, uh, Tory to me is just a big golf course. You got to hit it high. You got to hit it far. And I think we were discussing earlier, the rough is such a dictator and the rough can yeah. be a dictator at any course, but especially at Tory. But I, I thought, you know, is it at the top of the U S open rotation? Yeah, probably not, but man, it was pretty cool. You know, yeah. it did a, I thought it did a great job and we saw incredible action and drama from the best players in the world. So I think that says yeah. a lot. Well, first of all, we should compliment you for being modest. A little tournament in high school is the Junior World Championships that yeah. you represented yeah. in Illinois and as a as a junior. <laughs> so, uh, and our mutual best friend played, I think, a year f- prior, representing yep. Missouri. Um, but yeah, you're right. I I, genu- I literally picked my apartment when I moved to San Diego, so that I l- was in San Diego City, so I could play Tory Pines for you know, you know, Tory North Twilight was thirty bucks, you know. Tory South Twilight was 55. So uh, I played there almost every weekend, you know, for three years. And how refreshing was it, Serm, to not have the USGA? Just want to say this really quick before we move on to mental stuff and our takeaways from each player. Uh, To have the USGA not try and protect par and just have a tough test, the conditions, I mean, think about it. Thick, rough, narrow fairways, length, and firm greens. That's all you need, right? Right. And wind might come in, fog. Or it might not. Or it might not. 
but that's a tough test and let it go. Right. Yeah. No, I Verse- think, I think it's a great, great point Ev. And it's, isn't it kind of fun to watch these guys make birdies in the U S open too. Right. And we saw plenty of doubles, triples, quads, you know, as well, yeah. but you know, there's really kind of, I thought there was a cool balance between the front nine and the back nine. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah bravo to the USGA. I think, I think they get it right a lot, but we know when they get it wrong. And I, I think it's because they're too often trying to prove a point to make sure we're the toughest, you know, weekend yeah. in golf. And sometimes that's just, it does a disservice to the course too, in the setup. So I thought, well, yeah, awesome. I, I feel like I'm just every year as a golf fan, you just go through this time of the year and it's just this debate of fair versus hard. And it's just such an unnecessary you know, debate to have. Ev, was there ever a moment this week where like, oh, that's stupid. That's unfair. That pin placement or those greens are, I didn't see it. I didn't, you know. <laughs> so it was great. Well, let's transition that into our initial thought of what we've heard before on this show, which is accepting difficulty, right? And that's so much easier to do in a US Open, which is the hardest tournament of the year um biggest test you know brett mccabe sports psychologist has said it on the show a couple times which is he has players that play better in a u.s open than they do in palm springs it's easier i think from a mindset standpoint to accept difficulty when it's a really tough test you have to gear yourself up for it because you know otherwise it's gonna you're gonna be drained mentally think about if you had the mindset of shooting 12 under for a tournament at a US Open before going into it. You'd be incredibly frustrated, right? For sure. Yeah. But that's really what we kind of do. Obviously not the 12 under for the average golfer, but we expect good scores every time we play or hope for, and we get frustrated when we don't see it. Whereas the US Open mindset is much more about and I got to keep the ball in play. I got to give myself chances when I have them. And we'll see if I can capitalize on a few of them and see where I end up at the end of the round. And I'm, I really think that that type of mindset, if you played every round like a U.S. Open, I bet you you'd play better. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, mean, I think the U.S. Open, you've got to focus a little harder on the details because the penalty is just greater than the right. average week, right? So there's that little sharpened focus. So then that maybe a little more preparation, a little more in sync with your caddy. But then, Ev, there's this bogeys are going to be made, right? right. <laughs> there's not going to be these incredible stretches where we see when we watch a, a normal tournament. Well, he's gone, you know, 52 holes without a bogey. <laughs> it's like, right. so going into a US Open, you're like, well, bogeys are just going to be made. You know, let's limit the doubles. And, mm-hmm. you know, walking off that green, you know, a, a, a bogey's okay because the guys in your group are making them. Their guys in front of you are going to make them. So, again, we talk, we talk a lot about focus, but relax. You got to kind of be a little more hyper-focused in the U.S. Open, which is good, Ev, because take that to just any other. If you can better your focus, if you can be more, more in tune with what is happening, the wind, the green speeds, the way the grass is growing, you know, what your, what your body's doing. And then when there's a bad, bad hole, let it go. Right. And yeah. that's how it always should be. What we always like to do in these episodes is unpack learnings that sure. we think you can apply to your game. So 
Do you want to start with Bryson? Yeah, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he was leading the tournament in the back nine there, right? He, you know, he almost made a hole in one on eight. He was just dialed in. My God, I thought he was going to win. Because yeah. this is what he did last year. He, he was he coming from behind. So he flips the switch. And he was just going to, I thought he was going to win. Um, I think a lot of people did. And then on 13, takes that mammoth lash at it. His foot slips. And he got really, really mad. <laughs> and he mm -hmm. stayed mad. It's something he couldn't control, right? Then we saw him just try to be, you know, strong Bryson he is out of the rough. And the rest is history. I mean, there was some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, he shot 44. So, uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about this. I mean, he, he's, he's just so hard to relate to. So, you know, it's hard to get too much into him. But you slipped. Other guys were slipping on that hole. They talked about it. There's more moisture on that tee box. But to Bryson, if things happen out of his control, you know, like he's in this box that he creates, this is maybe his downfall. We've seen him have meltdowns before out on the course. Mm -hmm. But golf isn't fun to him, right? Golf is a, golf is a, and Brett McCabe talks about that. He's not a guy saying, hey, go have fun out there today. It's like, <laughs> it's more like go execute your plan. Yeah. So, he kind of beats himself up out there. Hitting the ball in the rough off the tee on a par five. Uh, Isn't the US end of the Open, world. Is, it's not good for him, but it's not the end of the world, especially on 13. On 18, it is. But on, on 13, it's not as much. Um, so all he had to do was lay it up. And on 13, you don't have to lay it up very far because then you got a downhill lie. So a lot of people lay back. It allows to have a flat surface, a little bit longer approach shot. but. Then he tries to lay up and hits in the rough in a layup. And then the worst, one of the worst feelings in golf. Yeah. Then he <laughs> has to try and muscle it uphill green, elevated green over four bunkers hits in the bunker. Now, you know, he's making, what do you make a double on 13? He made double there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you make a great point. He clearly was frustrated about the slip and he compounded mistakes. Right. That I think that's the thing we talk about the most on this show, other than just like, you know, going for opportunities instead of results. I think another thing is like, take what the course gives you. It's actually kind of a fun way to play. It's like a new round every shot. It's like, okay, like you helped me that one day with short game. Like, what do you have? Like, do you have a good lie or do you have a bad lie? Well, what do you have? What's, what's the angle? What club are you going to take? right? Is this going to hit the lip or is it not? I better take more club, right? So it's all those types of questions and decisions that make the game fun, but you just can't force it. I think you're so right. Bryson works so hard and he's doing all this great stuff. He feels like he should win every week. And that's so important for confidence and belief, but I think it's adding a lot of pressure too. And yeah. I don't know if he's quite mastered the, uh, the detachment factor, you know, kind of putting in the effort and seeing what happens versus putting in the effort and feeling like I have to win, I have to win, I have to win and playing just tight. It's interesting, right? Like golf is all these guys' livelihoods, right? And all Bryson cares about is winning. He doesn't care about second, right? Right. And when, you, when you're flowing like he was up until that point and then for it to kind of all go wrong, uh, it, it, the guy clearly doesn't, you know, and I'm not going to speak for him, but you know, he's not like Kevin Kisner, who has, you know, might have a bit. Now, Kisner's not the player that Deschambeau is, but 
right. it's going to have a bad week and chalk it up. Like Kisner's got other things in his life. DeChambeau approaches Goff in a way that nobody approaches it, right? Mm-hmm. It's his life all day. Yeah. And then he had, you know, and from every component. And, you know, Bubba said something really interesting. I don't know if you heard him say this. And Bubba, you know, great career, but he's had some mental battles, personal battles. And he was unpopular there for a while. But he said, you know, and he's not been playing that great the last couple of years, but he's there every now and then. He said, you know, right now I'm really focused on being, I get really caught up on trying to be a better dad, a better husband, a better friend, you know, and you'll see me still get mad out there on the course. But what I'm trying to work on is it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. And I think a guy like Bryson, you know, I mean, maybe needs a little bit of balance to give him some perspective because that was a, that was a serious blow up and we've all been there, but like, there's more to that. Yeah. He, he, you talk about detachment. He's got to find a way to turn off a little bit because that was very, very telling, you know, when you're shoot 33, then shoot 44. Well, you said it's, he's hard to relate to, but we can all relate to that. There are a lot of people out there that work on their games, that go to the range three times in a week and practice their short game and go out and play. And it's, you play like shit. It's naturally frustrating when you're putting in the work and you're doing all the right stuff, right? And so I think that's the biggest thing that we can probably learn from Bryson. Hardest thing to do in life, but the only secret to to happiness really is letting go, you know? And it's... It's literally in the game of golf. It's impossible to swing free if you're holding on. He lost all focus, right? Do you want to talk, go into Rom, or do you want to talk Louis for a second? Well, we can, I think we can talk about the battle they had, you know, even though they weren't playing together. Uh, Louis might be my favorite swing on tour. I'm not the yeah. only one who would say that. I mean, it's yeah. pretty smooth to watch, right? You know, and have you got a taste of him when seeing him live at the British Open 11 years ago? Yeah. At, uh, or was that it? Is that true? Shane Andrews. Shane Andrews in 2010. Yep. yep. Um, talk about a guy with a smooth demeanor. He doesn't change, right? And he cracks a smile every now and then too, but he's he's pretty smooth. Um, I thought it was going to be either him or Rom. Um, but uh, I mean, if we look at Louis, we look at this consistency. What was the stat you pulled of? I think you wanted to share that with a couple of the other guys. Yeah, so modern day players. This is not all time, but guys playing right now at the top of their game, top two finishes in majors. Uh, Louis is at the top of the list with seven. Kepka's tied at seven. Spieth has six. Rory has five. And so, yeah, I think a lot of the story with Louis, and they said this in the broadcast, is you know Louis came out of nowhere in 2010. Nobody knew who he was, and he blitzed the field. As a fan, it was kind of disappointing. I I was there. You know, Rory had made a run on Friday. No, no, that was no drama in the end. <laughs> yeah, no drama. Just, you know, great for Louie. But as a fan, it wasn't that exciting. Um, but it's funny from a mindset standpoint, you know, think about the difference of him coming down the stretch at St. Andrews. I'm sure he's nervous as all hell, but no one's expecting him to win. He didn't expect to be there, maybe, uh, versus now. You know, he had he's kind of becoming known for always being there at the end of a major and not closing. And 
he's talked about lately about how it's been a little frustrating. He really wants to win one bad, but think about the difference in that. They're both golf tournaments, right? Nothing's really changed. It's just kind of the story you tell yourself. I think it's just also, it's just also crazy hard to win multiple majors. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. We just don't see much of it, but, um, yeah, obviously everybody's going to talk about the 17th hole and have you and I were talking about it, right? So he's a left to right player and that's tough, right? It's, you got to bail out right. But if you, if you're somebody who moves it left to right, you get up in that tee and you're nervous, the U S open, you want to make an aggressive swing, mm-hmm. right? You want it. You want to hit that fairway. You want to make an aggressive swing. And it wasn't like he pull hooked it. He just came over the top of touch, mm-hmm. but that was tough. That was tough. But okay. So let's relate that to ourselves, right? Let's say you got a member guest or a match on, you know, with a buddy <laughs> and you're coming down the stretch. I think it speaks to the importance of kind of knowing your tendencies. Right. And Louie, look, he's bailed out right plenty in the tournament too. So kind of had a little bit of a two way miss, but for the most part, they talked about on the telecast, like, his coach says when he gets a little quick in the transition, like most people do, it goes a little bit left, right? Well, I, think, you, I think actually what they said was, and this is very common, when doesn't make a full turn going back. Or, sure. Right? Sure. Yeah, and that's it. You make a full turn going back, you kind of come over and you slap at it. And- yeah. So if you know there's a hazard left in the entire property right, you want to make a committed good swing at it. You got to play your true shot. You know, like Brett McCabe has said before, you don't want to start punching them down the stretch. If you've been hitting them full the whole time that got, you know, play the way they got you there. But at the same time, like I, I'd love to understand his line. We haven't watched the presser. So it'll be interesting. Maybe we'll, we'll tweet about that this week, but yeah, that did it. And then 18, what'd you think about his decision-making? Yeah. So this is interesting, right? We were kind of debating off air if Bryson was Louie if he would have still gone for the green. I mean, no laying up made a good point. It was like, there's no chance you can stop the ball on that green, you know, out of the rough with that long of a club. It's just not a good and not a good lie. Not a good lie. So, and there's water. So right at the end of the day, I think it was the right play. You know, again, you have to take what the course gives you in that moment. As much as you want to be able to have a putt for Eagle to go to a playoff for a major, I think he had to lay up and give himself a yardage that he feels good and aggressive at. Um, question, Matt, is I want to ask you if you think that was the right play. I do. But secondly, was it the right yardage? Because if you have to spin that back on firm greens, should he have given himself more yardage? Yeah, I'd be interested to see what he would say about that because on paper, 60 yards, or 60. rather of 85 yards, yeah. right? He, I think he had 59, right? So... Yeah, I, I, I think 85 yards is probably a better number, I think. But at the same time, he hit, you know, he hit it to 10 feet. You know, what are the odds you're going to make that shot? But what's the best chance? So he ended up doing, making the right call. But um, I don't know. He's fun to watch. But uh, that 17th drive is going <laughs> to stick in his brain for a while. Doesn't it remind you about how good – like we've talked about on the show before, like a fairway finder, like Tiger was known for having, a, even though Tiger sprayed it all over the map, when it was down the stretch, Tiger was never hitting in the hazard left on 17. 
with a chance to win. Tiger wasn't put in the rough on 18 when he needed to have an eagle putt. Tiger found a way to get in the short grass with a stinger, Healy cut. I know that's tough for an amateur golfer, and I've you know been trying to find this too for my game of just like, if no matter what, if I don't have it and I'm not feeling good with the driver, you know, is it my three wood? Is it a certain, like, is it a cut shot? Like learn something that just, you have confidence with that can get it in the short grass. Even if you're farther back, just give yourself yeah, I think a for, chance. I think you're right for amateur players. And that's a good point about Tiger. I mean, we've seen him miss drives under the gun, but to your point, never he'd be missing right. You know, like 2005 after he chipped in on 16, he missed right on 17. He missed right on 18, but he was in play. Like he could play yeah. that next shot. I think the tough part for Louis on 18 was, is he had to step into that to give himself, you know, right. a good yardage on that second shot. Right. But you're right. Amateur players, when the chips are down, tee it a little lower. Yeah. Choke up a little bit on your driver, a little shorter, a little smoother. But, sacrifice but 20 point. yards. That's a good point though, Matt. Cause like, did he need to step into it? Right? Like he's a tour pro, one of the best players in the world. If he has a three wood in his hand, I mean, like it's not ideal it's tough, with right? because tough, you don't, fast greens over water, but you got a chance. It was a tough, yeah. It was a tough situation because we didn't see any, you just didn't see very many eagles. On, but it's funny, he eagled it on Saturday after I know. a really long yesterday. Time. So I think Louis going to continue to be there. He's just too, his attitude, his demeanor, his swing, he's just got to keep his back healthy. You know, if he does, we're going to keep seeing him a lot, you know, just yeah. like Kepka. He's there a lot too. All this guy does is play in majors. <laughs> I know. Well, I think the main takeaway from Louie is, so let's, let's finish up on Rom. Uh, to me, you said this before the show. I think the best lesson that we can all take from John Rom is the bunker on 18. I'm going to let you yeah. talk about it because you brought it up off air. Well, and he played the right shot for the right moment, right? Because what was the one thing he couldn't do? Well, two things, right? Leave it in the bunker or put it in the water because he had that downhill lie. Yeah. So it was enough. To, he was going to have to manipulate the golf ball. So he looked 10, 12 feet right and said, you know what? I'm going to hit it to, I think he hit it to 18 feet. And I've got a putt to take the lead or I've got two putts to be leader in the clubhouse. Yeah. And, and Ev, what we were saying is, you know, for the, for the average player, that's how you need to start. Not every single bunker shot, but oftentimes when it feels a little extra challenging in the bunker, just hit it to a big target. Look yeah. what John Rahm did. Look to 10, 12 feet right. Give yourself a butt. Ev, I'll take it a step further. When you're practicing, yeah. create that moment. Aim 12 feet right. Knock it on the green. Get your putter. Go through your routine. Work on those 15, 20 footers. Be in yeah. that moment. Yeah. And because we see, like we've said, we see more amateur players make double and triple bogeys out of the bunker. And it's oftentimes because they're going right for the pin. <laughs> yeah. It's just a lack of awareness, right? It's bunker shot, try and get it close. Like, or any shot, try and hit to the pin, right? It's that lack of next step thinking of what's the situation? What does this shot call for? What's my best chance to give me? the best chance right and so rom didn't force it rom knew he was in a good opportunity and look we all have i don't care if you're a 25 30 handicap we all 
make putts we're not supposed to make. We all make unbelievable recoveries we're not supposed to make. So why not this time? Right. I think that's, I made a point. uh, I made a video on Instagram the other day. Um, I was talking to someone and they asked me, you know, what's your biggest learning from doing 140 plus hours of interviews? And I said, especially lately, sir, this has been a theme. Everyone, whether it's Tim Mickelson with Phil to Scott Fawcett, you know, or other coaches on tour, they all talk about opportunities. They don't obsess over, oh, I I just messed that up. Now I'm like behind the eight ball. I got a birdie. It's just literally like plugging along, give yourself opportunities and track your opportunities. And then like, Mm -hmm. if you make it great, but like, again, your only job is to get it started. Your only job is to make a committed swing. John Rahm's job was to give himself a putt. And he did. And he won his first major that way. Like, I I know it sounds like obvious because there's water and like it's downhill and downhill lie. Like it's obvious, but I just don't want people to miss the main point that his only job was to give himself a putt. You think he makes 18 foot? You know how low the percentage is on making an 18 footer on tour? Very low. Well, it's really low. But he made it, he did it. And guess what? He probably wasn't thinking about making that putt. He probably was thinking about getting the putt started on his line at the right speed. Yeah. Well, it went in. And that's, an, well, it's, I love how you put that, right? Your only job is to give yourself a chance or a putt, right? You know, a look at it, right? Um, another uh, kind of, we can kind of close on a takeaway from Rom is, I mean, those last two putts he made were left to right. For right-handed players, left to right is just difficult, right? Then throw very fast greens, the U.S. Open pressure. But I would say to the listeners, and work on your left-to-righters, and to be a good left-to-right putter, or at least an average, you have to keep your head down a little longer. you got to keep your head down for a half second longer, and you've got to really accelerate through the putt to keep, for it to hold its line. And I think that's really important. They're, very, <laughs> they're tough putts to practice, but... When you start feeling like you're hitting more confident left to righters, you'll really see improvement in your game. Brooks Kepka, they, they mentioned on the telecast, he's also great at left to right putters, left yeah. to right putts. But, um, but that requires really being disciplined with keeping your head down and accelerating through the putt. And for those listeners that don't know a lot about your game, you should probably listen to Matt. He's got an unbelievable short game. So <laughs> I've, I mean, it, it bails won, me out. It bails me out sometimes. He almost won me the member <laughs> guest two years ago because of our wow. one day session. So we might have another one. Yeah, we before should. the uh, before your member guest this year. I think that's a great place to close. To me, the main two takeaways of this episode is play every round like it's the U.S. Open. You know, like, and all that means is accept that it's going to be difficult. Accept that it's not going to be perfect. Accept that you're going to make bogeys. You might even make a double. But guess what? We tweeted this week. I know we're not all Tiger Woods, but Tiger doubled Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, the first hole at Torrey Pines in 2008, and he won. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, we've had a bunch of people tweet and comment on Instagram, like, they've sometimes shot their best score after doubling the first hole. Not something I want to necessarily say go do, but, like, stay in it, it. you know? Stay in it, know that it's going to be hard, and give yourself chances. That's it. Well, that's, I mean, Jack said something like that, right? I bogeyed the first hole 
you know, I've got 17 more, you know, well, 17 more chances in terms of holes. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Right. You know, us open hyper, get a little more hyper focused on the details around you and then just let it go. The opportunities are coming. Yeah. So great. It was a great weekend for golf. Ev. John Rahm is, is the real deal. This was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm glad to see fans of Tory again. Oh, yeah. Um, but Tory's a great place. Highly recommend anyone that's never played there. Get down there. Um, wait in line early, kind of like the Beth page black of, uh, the West coast. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys as always for hopping aboard. Um, if you're not currently following us at the par train on all of the socials, please do. We have giveaways. Uh, we have content that we don't talk about on the show about the mental game. That's a little bit more bite-sized digestible. We've had a lot of people DM us that we've changed their mental yeah. game just through the Instagram and Twitter. And then they realize, Oh, we have a podcast and they're like, Oh my God. So definitely <laughs> give us a follow there and uh, subscribe on Apple podcasts, write us a review and uh, keep your eyes peeled for more merch. We're in the process looking at some stuff and uh, we're excited to add some new things to our store at thepartrain.com. So thank you as always for the support. And uh, no matter how you're hitting it out there, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys.